Hey, I'm Russ. And I'm Steve. Growing up in the 80s, we were introduced to video games, movies, and technology that made a lasting impression on us and forever enriched our lives. I think I'm gonna cry! It's been a fascinating journey to be a part of, one that we constantly treasure. Fire! Booty! Our goal is simple. Share our magical moments of discovery and geek out with lovely folks. Just like you! Uh, achievement unlocked! So if you crave pixel goodness, memorable moments, and experiences that make your inner child do the happy dance, you've come to the right place. Let's do this! Welcome to Joygasm! <laughs> yeah! Welcome back to Joygasm, where we talk about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster360, and joining me is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, as we commence episode 48 today, November 25th, 2017. To get the most out of Joygasm, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on Joygasm.tv and SoundCloud.com slash Joygasm TV. Also, for exclusive access and some sweet goodies, check us out at Patreon.com slash Joygasm. And no matter which platform you use to enjoy the show, please drop us a subscription, thumbs up, or a review. It helps build awareness, which we appreciate very much. We have quite the show planned for you today. Gaming news consists of Star Wars Battlefront 2, Wolfenstein 2 DLC packs, and Xbox avatars getting delayed. Movie news includes Movie Pass lowering its prices even more. Batman rumors as to who the cape and kill will go to next. Who, who uh, Quentin Tarantino wants as his leading man on his next film and more. Our topic of the day is reviewing Justice League. But first things first, Steve, how you doing? Ah, right. You know, I, uh, I feel fat and happy. That's how I feel. That's how I'm doing. That's a good way to be. I, uh, we had Thanksgiving. We uh, gave a lot of thanks. And uh, the girlfriend came in from out of town. Woo! Got picked her up at 2 a.m. Uh, in the morning. Uh, so that was awesome. She's uh, joining us in L Studio oh. as a listener. I look to my left, which is your right. That's right. And I see her. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? So other than that, um, you know, I, I've, I've appreciated the, uh, the traffic dying down a bit. Everyone's got to where they were supposed to get to on the holiday. Yeah, everybody's having a food coma, so they can't yeah. drive. Yeah, everyone's tripped to fan out. Like, oh, I'm not going to drive. Forget that. I'm so thankful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in the last few days, I haven't done much with uh, movies and games, but... Of course not, because you had your lady. That's right. Coming to visit you, spending Ooh. some quality time. That's right. Uh, so I did catch up a little bit on Stranger Things. I, I what, what's happening now is basically uh, uh, the Winona Ryder character is kind of kind of gone nuts, and she started hacking through her her wall uh, uh-huh. to, to find uh, what's what's the kid's name, and Mike or something. Mike, Mikey. Yeah. Which one? The kid who's lost. The first kid who got lost. Oh, Will. Will. Okay. Will, Mike, they all sound the same. Anyway. There, there is one, there's another kid who is Mike. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. Uh, I was 5% right. Anyway. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so she's gone mad and the uh, the cop dude 
uh, kind of broke and entered into the like the CIA facility uh-huh. and the X Files secret yeah, facility. Right. So they drugged him and and Wait, brought you should him say home. that with your voice. What X Files secret facility? <laughs> X Files secret oh, facility. Yeah, yeah. You do a better X-Files than I do. Secret facility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The intergalactic society. (laughs) (laughs) And anyway, so they drugged him and took him home and he found out his house was bugged. And so he's... Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that episode was good. Yeah, he was kind of freaking out a bit and he went to go see Joyce and he's like, Joyce, you're not right. You're you're not wrong. You're right. This is what happened. And she's like, starts crying again. And her ex-husband comes in to see her and he's like, you know, you're going, you're going crazy. And you know, they find out. Isn't it a good show? Yeah, it's pretty gripping. Actually, it's getting better and better. Yeah. It's got enough like excitement and, and a little bit of like a, just a pinch of horror in it to keep you like, whoa. Yeah. And then, but it has like the little kid humor and, and, uh, innocence in it that a lot of people can, can enjoy it. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. So, and then 11, uh, was supposed to use her power to help the kids follow the compasses to where, uh, the, the portal was going to be or what they thought. And so then she said, is it once too dangerous? And so she kind of reverts them back to go in a circle. So they wind up closer to home. Mm -hmm. And so they all get mad at her and she runs away. And, and, uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, There's still plenty more goodness to go. But they're, they're, they they did fall into one cliche, which is where that episode ended where Nancy, Nancy, uh, the girl who was dating Steve. Yeah. So there, they, they, she and the Winona Ryder's son, the older son, mm-hmm. I forgot what his name is, the photographer guy. Yeah, I know here. Uh, I actually forgot what his name is. So anyhow, they think they're going to go hunt this thing down with a little, with a revolver and a bat, right? right. So she finds this tree that's real, uh, you know, Ichabod Crane-ish. <laughs> and so she goes... Uh, yells his name a couple times, and of course he can't hear her. Like, it, the, the forest is densely quiet, but for some reason he can't hear her, and so she decides it's the best idea to walk through this thing, and, and of course she gets trapped in there, and he finds out, oh, where'd she go? And and starts yelling her name, and uh-huh. he's only like 20 paces away, it turns out. And I was like, oh, come on! I knew this was going to happen. In a way, though, that's kind of cool because it's quintessential 80s thriller, yeah. horror thriller, stuff. Yeah. So. so then... Uh, I played a little more Master Chief, which I was I, I've been playing it on well, one under legendary mode. Mm-hmm. And that would be heroic. I, I think it would think it is heroic. It's very heroic of you. Yeah. And so I got to this part. I'm at the part where the uh, that the the big uh, brood guy takes Master Chief and uh, the Arbiter, mm-hmm. and he's like basically. You know, you guys are going to figure this whole thing out and have to work together at some point. And he drops them back into separate parts of the of the land, whatever the hell with the halo. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what are that ringy thing was called? <laughs> the ring. Um, so, I I started passing this part where there was two hunters, and you're kind of going up this ramp. You're getting close to the end of the level. And I thought I'm just going to like, yeah, this is so hard. I, I keep on dying. I'm just going to like run past them. And I did. And I get into this, this, the very next door. And now there's two more hunters and there's brutes and there's like the elites with a, a credibly buff shield. Like they're mm. not like the usual elites. So now I have four hunters total with brutes, with elites, and they all want to kill me. I think I died a half a dozen times. No, actually half. I don't even know. I, I died. I, I lost count how many times I died and they almost got comical. I was getting frustrated because I was dying so much. And uh-huh. I was like, whatever, I'm just going to like try whatever. And I finally got them all. 
and I uh, was able to move on and complete the level. But um, I, for like two nights in a row, I kept dying, just getting slaughtered within five seconds nonstop. And I, it was like that that courtroom scene that you had in Wolfenstein too. Oh you yeah, you kept on going again and again and again and again. And got difficulty to, just ramps yeah. up out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. Very nice. So I'll uh, hit the ping pong ball over you, Rust. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first thing we need to do before I get into what I'm talking about is talk about round two of our Super Nintendo oh, Classic Mini. Oh, snap! And SNES wireless controller giveaway, uh, which has ended. And I believe Steve has mm. the winner in his hot little hand. <laughs> <laughs> Listen up, people. Okay. So, the uh, Super Nintendo, the SNES, with <laughs> SNES, <laughs> with the wireless controller, goes to Clinton White Ooh. from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. How you doing, Sean? Congratulations! Congratulations! So you get the Super Nintendo with the wireless controller, as Mister Toaster Three Sixty uh, just noted. So what you want to do is uh, get on uh, Twitter and tweet us a message and uh, a direct message that is. No, 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 don't send your personal <laughs> information right over Twitter. There, so. uh, send us a direct message of uh, where you'd like us to send the goods, and uh, we'll get in touch with you and uh, send it on some way. Give you a little early Christmas present. Absolutely, mm. something else to be thankful about on this That's Thanksgiving right. holiday. And you know, I want to thank you, sir, for giving us a shot and listening to us, and uh, all the way from uh, Wisconsin. That's that's pretty awesome. So yeah. thank you very much. Absolutely. And please make sure, too, that you do claim your prize, because if you don't within 48 hours, then we'll be forced to do a uh, round two drawing again. So it's very important that you actually claim your prize with us. Don't get lazy on us now. <laughs> uh, but the other thing that's worth mentioning is the fact that um, this coming Monday, November 27th, begins the round three giveaway. We are giving away, and this this is the big one. This is the big kahuna, folks. So if you didn't win, fear not. This Get is, involved with this one because this one is the big like Christmas giveaway. Here. This is what we stood in line at six in the morning in the rain for. We still need to put pictures <laughs> up of that. We have pictures of ourselves just looking so just soggy and distraught. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but um, yeah. This time we will be giving away a Super Nintendo Classic Mini. Mm. A Super Nintendo wireless controller. Yes. And oh. for a third time's the charm. You don't say. A collector's edition book uh-huh. that chronicles the hardware creation of the Super Nintendo as well as the included games. Mm. So you're not going to want to miss out on that because that is, I mean, I actually got a copy for myself and uh, not going to lie. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty book, nice. It's a pretty thick book, too. It is a thick book. Well, it's big, too. I mean, it's not like some little dinky thing. Like, you go no, through it and you're like, wow, this yeah. is awesome. It has a bunch of different um, illustrations of the, the concept ideation process of back when they were actually designing the Super Nintendo. So you get to see, like, some of the, the older um, illustrations of how the system would have looked from a hardware standpoint. And then it also has also quite a few of the games that came with the Super Nintendo as well for this package. So it's, I mean, it's it's a nice to have, I must say. Mm, so quite, quite the uh, quite the loot box there, Russ. 
Exactly. And again, that is going to come in starting on Monday, November 27th, uh, which is the same day that this podcast actually would drop. And it's also worth noting, too, that um, for those of you who have not entered previously, what you want to do is you want to go to twitter.com slash joygasmintv where you will see a pinned tweet at the top. The, currently, we have the one that's round two, and that'll be taken down because <laughs> obviously this uh, giveaway is <laughs> over. But we want you to do three things. There's three um, things you have to do to qualify to enter. You have to retweet that tweet. You have to follow at joygasmintv on Twitter. And subscribe to the Joygasm YouTube channel. And that link is in the pinned tweet for your convenience. So that way you're not trying to figure out where we are. Although, if you wanted to, you could just go to youtube.com slash joygasm and uh, we should pop right on up. Uh, you, like I said before, you must do all three to be entered into the giveaway. The last day to enter is December 15th. Mm. And we will announce who the winner is here on the Joygasm podcast on December 18th, just in time for Christmas. I guess you could say that would be the Ides of December. Mm. Mm. You suppose you could. Mm, yes, indeed. Well, I like that. I'm getting Mark Anthony on you. <laughs> <laughs> so... I actually was watching Stranger Things as well. I finished watching season two with ah, The Wife. Great. So that was a lot of fun. I look forward to having you play catch up with that. And the nice thing is, is that now that you're watching Stranger Things, you're going to finish season one. You're probably going to get right back into season two. And then I think season three doesn't come out till next, like, October. You know, since you finished it before I could catch up, I'm just going to watch The Punisher and make you catch up to me on that. <laughs> 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 don't don't be don't be spoiled. <laughs> uh, don't be a butt hurt Billy, okay? A butt hurt Billy. <laughs> now we're gonna get a bunch of emails from all the Billies going, "Hey, what does Billy yeah, have right? to do with it?" Yeah. Uh, let's see. I was also playing Injustice Two. Hellboy actually got dropped as part yep. of the end of <laughs> DLC pack number Dose. And he looks great. What they did was a kind of a combination between the, the film version of Hellboy, but also the comic book version. It's like this kind of cool mashup. And whoever they got to play the voice of Hellboy in the game, I mean, it, it's just great. Like, the whole thing is really cool. I'm still getting used to his fighting style. It's a bit different than the other characters, which, I mean, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But that has been quite enjoyable. I will tell you another thing. Oh, oh, tell me, Ross. <clears throat> During the whole Black Friday slash Cyber Monday like time frame, mm -hmm. I'm a very happy man, Steve. Oh, boy. I must say that back in the day, mm -hmm. games was kind of this, this standalone thing where they really didn't get any kind of discounts whatsoever. I mean, it was kind of like 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 you you could go to any department store and it's like oh you know thirty percent off fifty percent off seventy five percent off yeah. and you go into a gaming store and they're like no yeah sixty bucks or no back then it was fifty fifty four after tax that's right <laughs> <laughs> pay full price but what's nice is that in today's world that's no longer the case and especially with digital downloads with whether you're on PlayStation Network or you're on Xbox Live. It's just been a wonderful opportunity. And really, I think Steam has a lot to do with it. I think the platform that Valve put forth really was a disruptor in that and, and set this, this new type of precedence. And it's been wonderful for the end user because 
over Black Friday, I was looking at deals where I was able to, I, I mean, I think I picked up like four or five titles and like they were like, you know, ranging between six bucks to like maybe $30. I mean, it, I it, know. it's way more cheaper than it ever was back in the day when we were having to pay full price no matter what time of the year it was. I mean, really, the only time we would get a better price is if you waited like six months to a year after a game was launched and then you'd have a reduced price. But right. my goodness. And then you were texting me too when you were out shopping about how places like Target, for instance, um, actually did have certain titles, I guess, that were like 50% off, right? Some of them, yeah. I mean, they. Uh, it's funny because Target used to have a store-wide Black Friday, and now they've really concentrated on games and toys, it seems. And uh, I went in there and took a look around and braved the uh, madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, since when did Black Friday trade reason for madness? Oh, nicely done. I had, I had to reference the Saruman there. Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was my my Saruman. Uh, uh, I have to go back there and watch that movie. Yelling of, uh, in, like, what is it? <laughs> some spell casting there. Yeah, the, the uh, refusal to uh, tolerate uh, Gandalf's insolence anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been thinking about reason to watch that movie again, Rustin. You might have just given me one. Hey, there you go. Anyway, so. You're, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, so, I was looking at the, the sign. Yeah, they have. Uh, that South Park and and uh, Need for Speed and Forza and and uh, let me think uh, that was I think uh, Assassin's Creed also and they were selling for about thirty bucks. That's good to know. I mean, is, that's that's that's, that's great to know. And it's kind of funny because they you see some of the deals uh, from if you follow Xbox on Facebook uh-huh. where they say okay you can get these games for thirty percent off and it'll and but Target actually had them cheaper than what they're advertised for. Well, and I remember you mentioning to me too about how some of these other places such as Target are kind of overlooked when it comes to shopping for games, how a lot of folks will just go to GameStop or they'll go on Amazon or whatever, kind of more of the the mainstream places that people expect to buy games from. But you were saying how um, other places such as Target will actually have some of the best prices around just because people don't think, oh, I'm going to buy video games at Target. Disclaimer, we're not being paid by Target right now, we're saying. No, no, no. <laughs> we have Just a, zero clear. sponsors at this point yeah. in time. Disclaimer. So another thing that was real fun, too, is that I got to take my daughter to her very first movie mm, since she turned three years old. Uh, it actually went really well. Was um, there a three-year-old in the theater? Or was she the only one? Oh, I did not go yeah. family to family to take <laughs> a uh, census of what was going on with the age of each child. Stand up at just as the lights are getting low. Here, three-year-olds are here. Am I the only one? Well, it's actually funny that you ask that just because we went to the movie called The Star. And it's a 3D animated film that tells the Christmas story of Mary, Joseph, and the birth of Jesus through the perspective of animals. And so it's pretty funny considering that, you know, King Herod, like, did a census of, like, you know, the ages of all the kids. And right. You're basically King Herod. Yeah. Way to okay. go. Yeah, thanks. Uh, You're getting cold in your stocking. spoiled me. Anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway. Slap in the face. Spit in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was really fun, though, was that um, the movie itself was actually w- really well produced. It was made by Sony Computer Animation, and it was kind of like a Shrek meets a, a Christmas story kind of a thing. Mm. Like, like you you actually had a, the main character was a donkey, you know, just. <laughs> was it that by Eddie Murphy? No, it wasn't yeah. Eddie Murphy. It was, <laughs> it was <laughs> like, no way. It was actually somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but it was someone else who's 
uh, pretty well known. But uh, but anyway, it, it, I thought it was a really great romping. Uh, what was really fun was she sat in my lap for about 75% of the movie. And that was just, I don't know, as a dad, that's a really, really cool thing to, to just experience where you're sitting there and her legs are dangling off your legs and she's eating popcorn in the movies for the first time and seeing the screen and, and the, the audio quality and everything else for the first time has got to be just overwhelming for her. And there was a particular moment that I thought was uh, just so cute. There was a scene where Mary, the character Mary in the movie, starts to break down because she doesn't think she can make it because, you know, she's pregnant, she's on the donkey, all that kind of stuff. And uh, <laughs> Vivian actually, like, got emotional. Like, she she did the little, like, like frowny face, like she's about oh. to cry. And she put her arm over her eyes and she was trying her best not to cry. And, and that was a really sweet moment for Leslie and I just to be able to, like, take that in. And, uh, you know, it was it was just really nice for for the wife and I to be able to 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 kind of log that away is like, oh, kind of moment. And, but it was neat too, to see that like she understood, like she could see what was happening on screen and interpret that there was something serious going on and have her react the way that you're supposed to react for yeah. that. It wasn't <laughs> like she was just sitting there like, Oh, whatever. And plus the other thing that's really cool is that three-year-olds are short enough that they can stand in the aisle and they will not uh, block anybody oh, that's true. behind us. So it's, I can almost visualize the face that she made. Cause you know, when you when you grow up as a little kid, you start to cry if like mom starts to cry, so you know that face. Like no, mom, don't cry because if mom cries, everyone's gonna cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if, it, if it's your own kid, and I know I, I memorized that little pretty face of hers, uh-huh. and I can see her her eyes start to well up and that that frown start to form, and I'm thinking, you know, in my mind, no, no, don't cry, don't cry. Yeah, you yeah. make me cry. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna cry in that kids movie, you know. Uh, think of something funny to do. Yeah. Think of something funny to say. <laughs> yeah, you're trying your, your best. And she did really well. I would say right at the credits was when um, she actually, she was eating popcorn the whole time and she went to rub her eye and her eye oh, no. got filled with salt from oh. the popcorn. So she starts freaking out. But at that point, it was the credits. So I was like, okay, if everything's okay, let's just break out a wipey and do what we got to do. But uh, but no, she did well. Oh, she's crying at the end of the movie. She really liked it. Yeah, she was really affected by that. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, I don't know if I told you this, but the joygasm.tv website was hacked. And luckily, um, it is back up and running again. Thanks to our awesome webmaster, Kim, a big thank you to her for taking care of that issue. But yeah, our website was down for like two weeks. And I, I, the only way I I realized that was I was going in to do some maintenance on it. And, um, I actually went to the website first and it starts to load the site. And all of a sudden though, the URL string all of a sudden switches from joygasm.tv to like some random thing. And it does it like two or three times. And all of a sudden I'm getting redirected to somewhere else. I'm like, "Ah! Oh no, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. (laughs) So, you know, of course contact came up in a panic and be like, I don't know what's happening. So, (laughs) Luckily, uh, that is back up and running again. So we are uh, right as rain. Back in business. Back in business like we should be. Uh, I'm trying to think if there is anything else, but uh, I think I think that's all. I mean, like, I've been kind of playing little sprinklings of games here and there, but mm-hmm. nothing really worth mentioning. I haven't so. even noticed you on online uh, or Xbox Live. So I, you know what? I don't think you've been playing anything at all, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I thought I played something else on my system. Oh, oh I did. You did. You invited me too, and it was the night I was picking up uh, my lovely lady, mm-hmm. so I couldn't join you. But I, I, I yeah, you were on. I, for sure, you. Yeah, were and on what my, was I going to play, Steve? A little Overwatch. 
That's right. And I was trying out Moira for the first Moira. time. Have you tried her out? No. So I was giving her a test through, and I could see potential as to how she could be a good character. But overall, it's just not my play style. I'm going to mm. have to... It's not your bag, baby? Well, not yet. I mean, like, each one of the characters that is in that game have various strengths and weaknesses and that sort of thing. And since she's just... I mean, it's weird because she's kind of a cross between Mercy and Reaper, Mm. in a way, yeah. with a little sprinkling of Zenyatta in there, thrown in for good measure. But I, I do think that that she could be pretty good if you... Actually, there, there you know, uh, there's also a sprinkling of Symmetra in there as well. It's, mm. it's interesting. I think that there is potential for her to be a, a great asset to the overall team and from a support capacity. I will also have you know, Steve. Oh, boy. Here we go. I began to play... Assassin's Creed. Oh my goodness! Black Flag. Uh, that, I, you know what? A lot of people didn't like that one. I, I really. Well, you said it. you liked it. No, I, I said a lot of people didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Okay, okay. Because I remember you talking about it quite a bit, and actually, our good old friend Brad, I, if I remember correctly, also liked that uh, Assassin's Creed as well. So I started to play it. I have no idea what I'm doing, but um, it's a good know, game. I, I figured you get a kick out of it. Nah, I do. Well, let's get into some gaming news, Steve. What do you say? Ooh, let's do it. To kick things off, Star Wars Battlefront 2's microtransactions were reportedly pulled after Disney expressed concerns to EA. Uh-huh. Alex Osborne reports Electronic Arts' decision to pull microtransactions from Star Wars Battlefront 2 just before the game's launch reportedly came in the wake of concerns from Disney. Bob Iger, Disney's chief executive, was alarmed by the backlash from fans over how Battlefront 2's microtransactions were implemented. The Wall Street Journal heard from a person familiar with the matter. As a result, Jimmy Pitaro, the head of consumer products and interactive media at Disney, contacted EA detailing the company's concerns about the situation. Star Wars Battlefront 2 received a lot of criticism from players because of the high costs to unlock the game's top-tier hero characters like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. In response, EA lowered those costs before ultimately pulling microtransactions entirely from the game. Hours ahead of the game's launch in North America and after its launch in other territories, EA has confirmed that crystals cannot be purchased any longer to use toward in-game crates, which includes star cards, emotes, and other resources. Instead, all progression in multiplayer will be accomplished via gameplay. Crystals used for microtransactions will be re-implemented at a later date. That's the key right there. They're planning on putting it back in. I roll. Uh-huh. Quote, we're turning off all in-game purchases, says DICE GM Oscar Gabrielson's statement reads, we will now spend more time listening, adjusting, balancing, and tuning. This means that the option to pursue crystals in the game is now offline, and all progression will be earned through gameplay. The ability to purchase crystals in-game will become available at a later date, only after we've made changes to the game. We'll show more details as we work through this, end quote. Battlefront 2's devs have been continually addressing the negative feedback fans have had to the game's progression and loot crate system, including in a recent AMA ahead of its launch. During that Q&A session, the developers vowed to fix the progression system based on fan response. Quote, we were incredibly saddened by the negative response from you, the community, on Reddit about the game, Associate Design Director Dennis uh, Brenneval said. In fact, we hated it. We truly did, because we wanted to make a game that you love. We've made a a really cool, fun, and beautiful game, but it was overshadowed by issues with the progression system. 
we will fix this. Well, kudos for Disney for bringing that up because when the first Star Wars, Star Wars Battlefront came out, you know, it was only a quarter of a game that everybody expected. Yeah. And then so they go, oh, we're going to make it right. We're going to make it the game you expected now. And people go, all right. And they go, well, here's now a bunch of microtransactions. Isn't that great? And you're like, what? No, you're supposed to like what? No, 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 no. Hold on. <laughs> like we we want to we want to play. We want to love the game. We want to play the game that you made. We want to love it, and that kind of stuff just puts a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Well, and Star Wars is such a beloved franchise anyway. I mean, when you think of Disney getting involved, you know that they had people who were watching it, just making sure that it would have a successful launch, and. EA getting too greedy in there, you know, they're applying pressure to the developer dice. And even when it comes to the gameplay mechanics of the crate system, you know, you can do a crate system that is successful. Like, you know, Overwatch, Overwatch exactly. is a terrific example of how it works correctly, but you don't want to abuse it because then you're going to really make the fans upset and angry. I think it's also worth noting that um, I believe it's Belgium, but there, there are certain countries in Europe that um, are starting to look into the whole microtransaction model. And if I remember correctly, I believe it was Belgium that has, um, I think, almost outlawed the use of microtransactions in games, stating that it is a form of gambling. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that spreads. Like, will that spread through other areas of Europe uh, and ultimately the globe? Because it's to them, they they view it as predatory um, gameplay on minors. You know, where you have kids who are, you know, they're addicted to the game. They want to get the best stuff, so they're putting more and more money on this. It's basically a chance card, is what it is, because you don't know what you're going to get. It's not like you're yeah. putting the money in to get something that's that's promised. Yeah. You're, you're putting it in with the chance that you'll get something. So it's pretty interesting overall. Moving right along, redesigned Xbox avatars. This is something that I was actually pretty interested in. I've always liked the avatar system from the Xbox 360. Apparently, it's getting delayed until next year. John Wilds reports Microsoft's new and improved Xbox avatars have missed their autumn release window and likely been delayed until next year. That's one of those things that I'm fine with. Personally, I think it's totally cool. I want them to make sure they do that right just because I think that was actually one of the strongest aspects to the Xbox 360 in terms of feeling like you were part of this gaming community. Right. The idea that you can actually create your own character, be able to customize how how they look, and it had this uncanny, like familiarity to you as the, like, I, I knew it was you looking at that your avatar right. or looking at our friends. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, so I, that is something that I, I missed when Xbox One was initially launched. I'm glad to see that they're yeah, they're gonna bring that back. Wolfenstein 2, Wolfenstein. <laughs> uh, the new Colossus DLC release dates announced. This is something I'm I'm very excited about. As well, you should be as well. Sarah, are you excited about this? You should be. She's smiling and she has nothing to say. Okay. But she's, says, she's playing Mario Kart. She's she's yeah, happy right now. Yeah, she. I think I distracted her from Mario Kart. I'm sorry, Sarah. You keep playing. Uh, Bethesda announced the first of the three, read them three, DLC packs will release in December with the final pack releasing in March, just in time for my birthday. Players who pre-ordered Wolfenstein 2 have already received episode zero as a bonus, but players who didn't pre-order can get it as part of the season pass. Episode zero introduces players to the characters they will play in each DLC pack, fighting for freedom in the Nazi-occupied American territories. I believe I do have that one. 
Bethesda and Machine Games will release the first DLC pack called The Adventures of Gunslinger Joe. That's an awesome title, by the way. On December 14th, players will take control of Joseph Stalin, a... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Joseph Stalin. Good, that sounds great. Like, <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph Stallion. How about that? A former NFL quarterback who fights back against the Nazi menace from Chicago to space. Players will be able to customize their airships, choose between five different classes, and create their own quests. A closed beta will arrive sometime in the first half of 2018. The second pack, called The Diaries of Agent Silent Death. These names are just great. It releases on January 30th and will focus on the exploits of ex-OSS agent Jessica Valiant, an assassin who will fight for the Nazi war machine in California to uncover the secrets of Operation San Andreas. The final DLC, uh, excuse me, the final DLC pack, The Amazing Deeds of Captain... I don't know what this is. It's like... I'm just going to go with Captain Wickens, comes out in March of 2018 and focuses on U.S. Army hero Captain Gerald Wickens, who travels to Alaska to stop Nazi Operation Black Sun. Mm, Black Sun and white Alaska. I know, there's whole lots of (laughs) fun, creative uh, writing right there. And that's about it for gaming news, so I say we get go right back into uh, some movie news. What do you think, Anthony? Do you remember MoviePass? Yes. We talked about that a little while back about how you could subscribe and you can save a ton of money, which neither one of us did. We were uh, interested in doing that. And was, was, didn't AMC say they were not going to participate in the program? I think they were looking at possibly mm. bowing out of it, but yeah, no. I don't know what the current status is. Mm. Anyway, apparently MoviePass lowers price again temporarily. After announcing its new price model earlier this year, the, the theatrical subscription service MoviePass has lowered his subscription. Somebody just put some, some bourbon in his coffee to slow him down. <laughs> Sloshing over my words. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> totally little intentional. The service MoviePass has lowered its subscription price to under seven bucks a month. But this is only on a temporary basis. They announced a new one-year subscription plan that costs $89.95, which includes a $6.55 processing fee, of course. And it will only be offered for a limited time. This deal nets out to under $7 a month. However, you'll have to pay for that one-year price in advance. It, you know, so in terms of the existing MoviePass customers who subscribe because of the recent price drop to their, you know, the $9.95 per month. Um, they will be able to receive a 25% discount from their current plan if they choose to subscribe to the one-year lump sum plan. Seven bucks. I mean, so as if $9.95 wasn't like awesome enough, now you can get it for seven bucks. We've got to jump on this. For Sheezy, Russ. The amount of movies that we've seen, I mean... I know, it pretty much paid for itself. It really does. Batman rumor. This is a big one. Jake Gyllenhaal might replace Ben Affleck. Well, I, pretty much anybody who's going to replace Ben Affleck, I'm going to be <laughs> pretty <laughs> positive <laughs> and encouraged by. So I, I think it's good. Well, Brian Barnett reported that new rumors state that Jake Gyllenhaal might replace Ben Affleck as Batman in upcoming DC films. Affleck has stated his desire to make a cool exit from playing the character. And if he does so before the Batman, which is the call, that's what the next movie is going to be called, the Batman. 
Movie pundit John uh, Campy says director Matt Reeves has his eyes set on Jake Gyllenhaal as his first pick to don the cape and cowl via screen rant. If Jake replaces Affleck as the Cape Crusader, it would be the second time a Gyllenhaal stepped up to help the Bat franchise out as his sister, Maggie, took over the role of Rachel Dawes in The Dark Knight. Nice. What are your thoughts on the possibility of uh, Jake being the Batman? I am optimistic, Russ. Um, I, I... Number one, I can't stand Ben Affleck and pretty much anything. Uh, very, very rare do I ever see him in a good movie. And my, my humble opinion, of course. <laughs> okay. Uh, but no, I, I really can't. After seeing Justice League, I can't. I don't want to see another movie with him in it. I came into that movie with already in the hole because I don't care for Ben Affleck. And then I saw it. I'm like, yep, reaffirmed. I, he ain't Batman. I'm sorry. So somebody else. I don't I don't care really who it is. Uh, anybody but Ben Affleck, right? I'm a little on the fence about Jake Gyllenhaal. I've seen some of his other work, and and he has a very unique acting style, and uh-huh. act, and even his look is pretty unique. I mean, I could see that, that there could be potential there for it. Right. I just don't know if he's the like the perfect fit. Yeah. You know, when, when I compare him to say Christian Bale or Michael Keaton, I mean, those guys. True. I'm, were, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be a toss up for sure. But already, I'm I'm just saying I'm optimistic. Somebody there you go. In this period of anybody else, it's going to be optimistic. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino reportedly wants Tom Cruise for his next film. I almost thought you were going to say Quentin Tarantino was Batman, but anyway, <laughs> can you imagine that? <laughs> That'd <though>? be weird. <laughs> uh, according to Deadline, Cruise is on the short list of candidates who've spoken with Tarantino about starring in one of the film's two lead male roles. As previously reported, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are also being considered. Whether all three of them might appear in the film or just two remains unclear. In addition to Pitt, DiCaprio, and Cruz, the potential cast of Tarantino's ninth and... Well, really, I mean, it's, it's his... It is number nine, right? His ninth movie. Probably. Yeah, I believe so. It's his ninth movie. Uh, will, of course, include Samuel L. Jackson, but also Margot Robbie. <laughs> Who the latter of whom is rumored to play Manson's murder victim Sharon Tate? You know, I had to actually do a, a Google search on the whole Manson story because I'm a little rusty on all that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be focusing necessarily on what Manson did with his like little cult, or if he's just going to do a movie that happens to be during that time frame and like maybe that plays kind of a secondary role into his particular plot. I'm not exactly sure, but. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 definitely piqued my interest to see like how he's gonna use the material. But. Yeah. This is one that make you happy, Steve. Wonder Woman two Gal Gadot confirms Brett Ratner not involved. Nice on the t- on the Today Show. Uh, Gadot addressed the recent report, claiming she wouldn't return to star in Wonder Woman two if Ratner, who has been accused of sexual misconduct, remains involved with the franchise. According to the actress, before the report even surfaced, Ratner and his production company Rat Pack Dune Entertainment were no longer involved with the DC film franchise. Quote, there was nothing for me to actually come and say because it was already done before this article came out, Godot said. The Wonder Woman star also noted that she isn't the only one working on the film who feels this way. Quote, there are so many people involved in making this movie. It's not just me. And they all echoed the same sentiment, she said. Quote, everyone knew... What was the right thing to do? So there you go. 
Plus, they listen to Joygasm too, and and so <laughs> yeah. all, all input I have, uh, they 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll 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 run with that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and the final story I have on here, which will actually kind of segue into our topic of the day, which is that Justice League fails to excite Friday box office numbers, as reported by Forbes. The latest DC film from Warner Brothers debuted to a thirty-eight point eight million dollars on Friday which includes 4.5 million in IMAX sales. This figure just barely eclipses Wonder Woman's 38 million Friday debut and is well behind Marvel Studios' latest Thor Ragnarok, which made 46 million on opening day. Justice League's opening day is also far lower than other DC films, including Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, and Batman vs. Superman, which debuted to 65 million, 56 million, and 81 million respectively. Suicide Squad. I do think it's important to note that the domestic to- <laughs> the domestic total for the film's weekend debut, uh, I believe, came in at around ninety-four million dollars. Which, again, that that number is no slouch. But at the same time, if you compare it to like the Avengers or some of the other ones, when you look at the the mm. opening weekends, nah. they were, I think, anticipating the numbers to be more like one hundred and ten to one hundred twenty million during right. the opening weekend. So that is. Your movie news, Steve. Why, thank you, Ross. I uh, definitely have not a qualm about Steve. You are most certainly welcome. (laughs) Well, I think as Sarah's about to discover, there comes a point in this program when, you know, it's just, it's all about just the uh, topic of the day. And I do believe that time is now. You can uh, you can put Sarah down back on the floor, Steve. She was hoisting her up in the air like uh, <laughs> some finger skating. Yeah, I was gonna say like some <laughs> Olympic figure skaters, and uh, she had a little bit of a fright look on her face. There, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow leaves are falling from the sky. I don't know how that happens because we're in a studio. Leaves and glitter, glitter. Yeah, <laughs> some sort of spotlight came down. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So our topic of the day is Justice League. That's right, the Justice League movie review. Steve, what? Actually, you know what? I'm going to say it this way: Steve and Sarah went to go with me to. I was a third wheel. I just realized this. It was going to be uh, kind of a double date thing, but then the wife had some uh, other things that she had to take care of. So the three of us, the three amigos, well. Amiga e amigos, something along those lines. <laughs> we went to go check it out. We and you know, disclaimer: we had already heard from different news outlets as well as our um, uh, different friends who had already seen it that it was not going to be as good as the Avengers. But uh, we wanted to go and see it just to get kind of a an alignment, if you will, on what has been shown. And so, um. I believe we're going to do what we always do, which is we're going to begin by giving our high-level impressions of the film and then drill down into the following categories, which include cast, plot, script, cinematography, soundtrack, and costumes. 
And uh, when we go into the drill down part, we will definitely let you know when that happens because we will be having spoilers throughout this segment of the program. We definitely don't want to uh, ruin it for any of you lovely folks out there. So I think I'm going to uh, ping pong back over to Steve here. Uh, Give me some of your high level thoughts of the film. Mm, I enjoyed the uh, scenes with uh, the flash in it. And I enjoyed some of the, like a lot of, a lot of the beginning. Uh, there were, there was definitely some gold nuggets scattered throughout that I enjoyed. Um, I felt the pacing was off quite a bit and I wanted some more backstory. I wanted like an extra probably 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. uh, of, of, of the movie because when you're introducing new characters, when you've already had backstory with Wonder Woman and especially Batman. Uh, we have had a little bit of backstory with the flash, but you know, maybe, maybe some people are going into this for the first time. We haven't seen the backstory of the flash, AKA me, right? And that's on my Netflix list, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, we, we just get glimpses, but we don't get all this extra goodness that we want. And so that I, I felt that the pacing was, was definitely off and it wasn't as long as I would, what would hope. Um, but that, like I said, there there was definitely some some nuggets in there that I enjoyed. But overall, I uh, was a little bit less than thrilled. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to get out of the way. Ben Affleck <laughs> yeah. was terrible yeah. as Batman. Oh, he was freaking awful. His acting was completely flat. I, I mean, I and honestly, I knew that going in. Yeah, I I remember um, just. When it comes to um, the announcements, um, I should say when it came to the announcements back in the day when I was at Comic-Con and Zack Snyder had given this this big one of who would play Batman because um, Christian Bale was stepping down. And I remember um, on Twitter is where he announced it. And I was just absolutely against it because I just I knew that he was not a good fit for the role. And going to the film, I mean, you just yeah. watching it. It was just, it was just painful. Well, not to mention, I think they just they they mistreated his character in the whole entire movie. I, he felt like a complete afterthought. He well, he did, and yeah, he did not feel like Bruce Wayne or or Batman. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I, however, I really enjoyed the rest of the cast. Um, I do think that Joss Whedon, if you recall, he's the one who directed the Avengers, and he was brought in to do quite a bit of kind of the, the um, rewrites and some of the editing and that sort of thing toward the end of the, the production. Um, I think he provided a glimpse into what this film could have been if he had directed it from start to finish. Yeah. Just because a lot of the dialogue that we were listening to was from him. I mean, like, like you had like any, let me back up a bit. It wasn't a lot of the dialogue, but a lot of the dialogue that was memorable was from him. And you Mm. could tell because it was very Joss Whedon ish, you know, it was, it was like very Avengers ish. And that kind of thing just works when it comes to a team based film. Um, but I, I mean, again, I think the chemistry of all the characters was the saving grace of the film. Um, I think that the film's trailers really spoiled just about every decent part of the movie. Seemed to be an ongoing theme this year. Well, they need to take a cue from Disney and Marvel Studios um, in how to do a proper marketing campaign for a superhero movie. You know, they're really, really good at 
creating trailers that don't give too much away that actually do a lot of misdirection in terms of like what people are expecting the story to be. And then when you go, you're like, wow, this was like not at all what the trailer was leading us on to be. Um, and it's just, it's so vital that marketing campaigns just, they need to, to, to keep a cap on it because unfortunately that was the case. Like I, I would be watching these movie trailers for justice league and there, I mean, all the stuff that they were showing were the different scenes that got me interested in wanting to see the film in the first place. And then I come to the stark realization that, oh, wow, they don't have a whole lot else in terms of the, the surprises. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, it was what I expected it to be based on what I heard uh, before seeing the flick. I do absolutely love the fact that Danny Elfman provided the score. I don't know if you realize this, but um, certain scenes where you did see Batman, he was, did you notice in the music, they actually brought back the 1989 Tim Burton, like Batman score. I I heard some notes uh, with it. I did read that fact also, but I, it wasn't prominent enough as, as what I would want it to be. Yeah. That, that I would have like smacked you in the middle of the, of the theater. Yeah. You know, um, so I wish it was it was more so, but well, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But uh, I do it from a high level standpoint. I was glad to see Danny Elfman was the one doing the score for it. So <clears throat> look at this. Steve's getting like like the the, the five star treatment from his girlfriend over here. He, she just put a blanket ah, over Steve while we're freezing. talking. Uh, I feel good. I got my coffee that Man, you I brought for me. Smell your coffee too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Did you have any other high-level uh, thoughts on the uh, Justice League movie before we go into our elevator, Steve? No, Russ. I, 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 I really want to get an elevator. Well, it's a good thing I already pressed the button because now we're in here. Oh, and Sarah's in here too. <laughs> this is the first time that she has uh, experienced the uh, spoiler elevator. Do you have any high-level thoughts? You know, if you, uh, if you guys want to, you guys can make out in the corner. <laughs> I'll, I'll just turn my back on you. It's all good. I can just look at my iPhone and have fun. It's great. I suppose I should uh, tell you folks that uh, once this elevator gets to our floor, it'll be the spoiler floor. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want any spoilers said to you, now's the time to pause the podcast. However, if you don't care or if you've seen the movie, by all means, stay with us. It's quite the view up here, Russ. And there's uh, from this high level floor we're about to get off on. Yeah, I noticed they took the walls off the elevator. We have kind of this glass pane thing going. It kind of reminds me of Vegas. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. I hear there's a sky pool up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, here we are. <laughs> okay, so now we're heading into the drill down spoiler version of now I really get to piss and moan about Ben Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's start off with cast. Uh, for me. Okay. Look, first and foremost, let, let's start off with someone who I personally just was like, yes, about big. Yes. Big fat. Yes. <laughs> Jason Momoa. Yeah. Was brilliant as Aquaman. Yeah. The reason I say that is there has been, as you well know, Steve, a stigma surrounding the character for a long time. 
with folks scoffing at the character and not taking him seriously. I'm here to tell you folks, Jason squelches this and I found myself becoming an Aquaman fan. And I think it's also worth noting that during the movie, I received a text from my wife who absolutely just loves Jason Momoa. She thinks he's just freaking hot. I think like if she could have Jason Momoa and Chris Hemsworth together, that would be like her ultimate threesome. (laughs) Anyway, she texts me and she, she asked me, she's like, you should take some pictures of him while, while you're there at the theater for me. So I ended up doing that. I ended up taking like three pictures and she was laughing. I don't think she actually thought I was going to do that, but what did you think of, of his performance? I thought he did well. I wish they were going to change his look up a little bit. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of his work, but uh, when I saw him, I I, I thought uh, he looked the same from uh, Frontiersman, I think, or Frontier or something like that. He's in a Netflix series. He looks exactly the same. I don't think he has the highlights in his hair and obviously the the Aquaman tattoos. Uh-huh. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> he also wasn't he, he wasn't he also uh, in in uh, Game of Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. So he looks to me he looks like the same in Game of Thrones and is in front. Well, I mean, he has like in Game of Thrones. He also had tattoos. They're not the same tattoos. Yeah, obviously. right. Yeah. Um, and they and he had kind of that more stoic that, but he's got the like the beard and the long hair and those real arcing eyebrows. And well, like, and I think that's kind of his signature look. Right, but. Yeah, anyway. But I mean, like, for example, Aquaman looks different in, in Injustice 2 than he looks in the movie. Absolutely, yeah. In Injustice 2, they took more of a, a classic comic book approach, and that's fine. But I think when it comes to the movie, see, that was one of the things that I was really unsure about back when they were doing the casting for this during pre-production. And when they said that Jason Momoa was cast, I actually grinned. I was like, ooh, that is a good choice. Like, it's not one that, like... I would have thought of as my first choice just from a look standpoint. Cause like to your point, you know, the classic version of Aquaman, you know, he has blonde hair, he's clean shaven. Um, there's just a different overall look, but I think in terms of his look, like I would, I really can't, I cannot think of anyone else who I would rather play this role just because like I said earlier, I mean the, the, the challenge, one of the biggest challenges of this character is to completely silence the stigma of what I was talking about, about how Aquaman is just kind of the silly character. I mean, yeah, there are fans who, who do follow Aquaman, but as uh, you know, a, a, a character lineup, you know, where you have Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, whatever, you know, Aquaman is just always kind of, it's just Aquaman. Yeah. I got to say my hack goes off to him because I absolutely loved what he did with the character. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't have as much of a refinement. He, he was kind of more of like a savage version of Aquaman, but I kind of dig that though. This is kind of cool. Like, like just every like scene he was in, I was just, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. Moving right along to, um, Ezra Miller as the flash, I thought also was great. Um, I mean, really, the only thing that bugged me was the way he ran. Uh, like, yeah. like, like his body yeah. movement was Here's, a bit off. I can't, like, I what are you doing, dude? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't really put my finger on it, but just his body movement was just kind of funky. But the persona that he gave, I thought was was just great. I mean, like, like especially in a superhero movie like that, where you have all these warriors, right? And the fact that he didn't know how to fight. Yeah. And he also was scared. I mean, that was one of the nice things I think gave his character depth was that, you know, he was being placed in these situations that were 
I mean, honestly, life and death situations. And again, he's not a fighter. I'm really fast, but all I know how to do is push people. <laughs> but I like that. <laughs> right, I, I, know, I, I know. I like I know. how he was just transparent. He's like, yeah. look, all I all I've ever done is just kind of nudge people and then run away. Like, and I thought, man, that is so cool because you run the risk of becoming one dimensional as a team if everybody's tough and everyone's a fighter and yeah. oh, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of nothing, yeah. you know, like all that kind of stuff. Like it's I'm it, a superhero. <laughs> What did you think? <laughs> I thought he was very refreshing in the movie. And I, I, I definitely want to go watch the Netflix series sooner than later. And I will hope he has his own movie coming up soon. And I hope they pay him some good respect, like Dark Knight respect. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think the movie would be nearly as strong without him. Uh, I, I did like his sense of humor. You know what? One of my favorite scenes in the movie was when uh, they resurrect Superman and he's flying around trying to do something, not flying around, running around, um, trying to say, well, who he, Superman had who in his hand? He had one woman and he had Aquaman, right? Or was I it, think so. Yeah. yeah. And so he was trying to be a distraction and he noticed that Superman <laughs> was watching him. And I'm like, Oh snap. That seriously was that one of my favorite scenes from the exactly. whole movie. I mean, that whole sequence where all of a sudden you're like, Oh no. Yeah. And he, and his expressions during that whole thing, well, both, yeah. Both expressions were, were fantastic. That was one of my favorite scenes. That was, that was definitely one of the gold nuggets. It was. Um, although I, I will say uh, in the comics, if I'm not mistaken, anyone can correct me because uh, I didn't follow the Flash um, that much. Superman's fast, but he's not as fast as the Flash. You know what? I cannot comment on that because I'm not... Um in the know when it comes to all that. Like when it comes to the DC universe, like Batman is my character, as you know. Right. I have just a peripheral understanding of like Green Lantern or the Flash. Um, I mean, even Superman, like I I don't really know all the ins and outs. I mean, I have, like I said, a kind of a peripheral understanding, but when it comes to all those like nitty gritty things, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be worth um, asking our friends who are like diehard DC fans to find out like just what it is. Like I actually, I work with somebody who is this huge Flash fan. So I'll ask him and see. Ask Although him. he may be biased. He may try and say, yeah. oh, the Flash is faster. Yeah. I, I, thought, I can't. I think if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, that he was supposed to be the fla the fastest person in the world. I do believe, you know, if that, if that were to be the case, then I don't think I would be that surprised. I mean, Superman also is like super fast. Yeah. If you recall in, in, uh, I can't remember which, which Superman film it was, but back in, in the Christopher Reeve days, he he was flying so quickly in the opposite direction that he actually caused the Earth to like you know reverse its uh his, its axis, its axis yeah. and then as a result um actually like reverse time, which actually is kind of a cousin to what the Flash can do. The yeah. Flash actually can go so fast he can actually go back in time and alter stuff and everything else. So yeah, I mean that's a very good question. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Russ. Not a problem. Going down the list here, Henry Cavill. Again, I am a big fan of Henry Cavill as Superman. I think he's a wonderful Superman. Guy was ripped. I saw a workout video with that he did uh, prior to the movie. Yeah. I, he, they're having him do all this stuff. And I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I did cut you off. No, no you're good. You're good. I, I, I really, I want to see more of, of Mr. Cavill in, in, in movies. And yeah. uh, I really enjoyed it. Some people thought that the scenes with him and Lois and uh, Superman's mother, I'm, oh, I can't, her name is, ah, I can't remember her name. I, yeah, I'm, I'm having a brain freeze. Uh, I think, well, anyway, so I really enjoyed all those scenes with the three of them in it. Yeah. Uh, 
because I, I'm I'm loved the, the the character depth with with these folks, and right. so to me that was not slow. And he owns Superman. I was, I was he does, dude. You know, one thing though, I I wanted to see in the movie. I wish they would have given him a different <clears throat> costume because he had some different costumes in 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 the comic book. He always had his blue. Uh, suit with the with the red S and everything, but he did at, at some point later on have more of a like a, a black costume. I'm not sure if that was when he was resurrected or not, but um, that may have been like an like a a multiverse thing or something. Maybe, yeah. No, I thought he was great. Um, <laughs> it's a pity. I don't know if you know this, but like they had to do a bunch of reshoots. I know. And so. Um, he was working on another film at that yeah, time and he had the yeah, mustache. Yeah. Apparently the, like they had to like replace his mustache with yeah. a C, you know, a CG like upper, upper lip. lip. Right. And you can totally tell. It's terrible. I, that, that it's distracting. It's way distracting. And I knew it was going to be there. I, I mean, a lot of people were talking about it. Some people said, oh, it's just small. You can get over it. And I could not get over it. And they, they really did him a disservice i feel like because this is his career you know he's an actor and well he, he looks silly you know what he looked like hmm. you remember that if you're watching uh like conan o'brien or something on on tv and they they do some uh skit and they they superimpose the mouth <laughs> yeah. on, on on some character like a cartoon character yeah. or a painting or something like that and the mouth is abnormally big and smiley that's what it looked like to me in the film. I thought it, they just did him a, a disservice. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. Uh, well, and I go back and forth with it too, just because the added scenes really did f- infuse a bit more exposition and depth to the movie. I mean, I think if those scenes were not in the film, it would have been even more shallow of a film. So I'm caught because on the one hand, I'm glad they put those scenes in at the same time. It's like, oh, that just, Oh, that just almost, it almost ruins those yeah. scenes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Gal Gadot was lovely as always. She's a jewel. Playing Wonder Woman. I appreciated in this uh, particular film her ferocity. Um, I think that one of the crazy things about this film in particular was just the all the fighting scenes. I mean, she really held her own, I, I would say. When you, when you watch the, the Wonder Woman movie itself, you didn't, I mean, you saw some things going on, but it was kind of more straightforward, like, oh, she's blocking a bullet with her, yeah. her uh, gauntlets or something to that effect, or she's jumping, but you don't really get to see her like actually fighting, fighting. And so I, that, that was actually a big plus for me is, is the scenes where she's fighting the villain just one-on-one. I mean, that, that was pretty epic. I thought it was good. I wanted more and maybe just because I loved the, the Wonder Woman movie so much, I felt like they could have given her some more screen time fighting um, and they didn't. I there. I know they had a lot of characters they had to give screen time to, so they had to split it up. But uh, I, I wanted a little bit more from her. So another thing too that I want to get your opinion on is before I went into this film, I heard that they tried to sexualize her, um, saying like, "Oh, there's a lot of like cleavage shots or like you know booty shots or whatever." Um, but I honestly didn't see it. Did you see? I mean, like, like I heard that, like, like when she was fighting, like, oh, they changed her costume. Her costume looked exactly the same. Yeah. I didn't see any kind of major differences. Like there was like one time when like, I think she was walking around in like civilian clothes and she had a, like a little bit of cleavage there. But I mean, it, it wasn't the way that people were saying it online. It was like her whole like Wonder Woman outfit was changed and like you could see all this stuff. And I'm like, 
I, th- I think I have an answer for you because I, I saw an interview with her on one of these, uh, these uh, night comedy shows and she was saying that many of the Wonder Woman fans were displeased with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman because her, she didn't have the bust as the fans wanted to uh, that they were used to from the Woman Wonder Woman comic, uh, which is pretty stupid if I'm going to be honest and blunt because uh, she's a beautiful woman <laughs> yeah. and she's got a phenomenal figure. Uh, so I think the creators of, of Justice League wanted to satisfy some of those fans that were making it known on social media that they were displeased with it. And so they go, okay, well, we're obviously not going to pay for her to have you know all this surgery. That'd be ridiculous. And so I think they wanted to give her a mild sexuality uh, with the civilian clothes without actually changing her costume because a lot of people love... Oh, that costume, ma- costume like, don't change it. Ridiculous. It's so yeah. good. Oh, but you know what? I, I know we'll get to costume in a minute, but I love how uh, when she was speaking with Bruce Wayne, that one scene, how she put on that, that uh, it was kind of a red scarf, but I don't know what that was called, but kind of a capy scarpy uh, scarf. My Shawl? F's, my F's and P's are starting to sound the same. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. Yeah. I, I, that was a nice little addition, but. Now, Ray Fisher as Cyborg was refreshing too. What'd you think of him? I liked him as a choice for Cyborg, but again, I think uh, the creators of the movie did him a disservice because more time was spent with him kind of interacting with stuff and making it work and analyzing, and I thought, man, he's he's a really interesting character. Absolutely. And I loved the, the, the actor who was playing Cyborg, but again, I thought, okay, he's got all these abilities. Yeah. I mean, he could transform into like whatever they, he wants. Uh and they just kind of showed him interacting with a bunch of stuff and then shooting something every once in a while. And I thought, man, no, this guy, this character is complex and he's interesting. And they didn't, they didn't give us anything. Well, I thought his approach to the character was striking in that he was even keel. If oh, he, you, yeah. Throughout you for sure. Yeah. I feel, I felt like that approach gave him a bit of mystique. Um, and it was just cool because you had, I think that, that was one of the, once again, one of the strengths of the film was, each one of these characters had their own distinct personality. Right. And I think that, that had cyborg been a bit more bombastic or whatever, I think um, his character's uniqueness would have been lost. Right. And so it was cool to see like, just, he was very, I hate to use the word calculating because he's a cyborg, but just, just the idea of, of him just, just, just having that even keel, but there, there is an intensity that's there too. I don't know. I, I just thought that was cool. And, and to your point, it, I found myself wanting to know more about his backstory. I wanted to, to know more about that, that standalone uh, exposition. So speaking of cyborg, uh, they put in his, uh, his father, his father got some screen time mm-hmm. and I had to slap you in the theater. Cause that was, that was Joe Morton, <laughs> uh-huh. Joe Morton from Terminator two, uh, who was, uh, I guess the CEO of Skynet. Uh, well, I, yeah. I or seen, maybe not CEO, but he, yeah, he was a, he was a high big wig. Yeah. 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 Um, but it was, it was cool seeing him on the screen. Uh-huh. I was like, yes. That, oh, that's awesome. The connection between Terminator yeah. two and, and cyborg. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 No, I'm sure the fans were, were digging that. Amy Adams. I love Amy Adams. Filled the role nicely once again as Lois Lane. I think she brings um, kind of an accessibility to the film. What do you right. think? Yeah, yeah. She, I, I'm glad she was in it. I know her time was a little bit short, and I get it. And uh, but uh, I, I love her as Lois Lane. Yeah, I love her even more if she was Belle in Beauty and the Beast. But <laughs> I digress. Was she was she considered <laughs> for the role or something? I I the 
my girlfriend and I were talking about it, and uh, we we came to that conclusion. I, we were looking at pictures back and forth uh, between Emma, I think Emma Thompson, Emma, Emma, yeah, Emma Watson, or Emma uh, Emma. Go through the alphabet here. We'll get it right. One yeah, day. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we really want Amy Adams as uh, Belle and Beauty to Beast, but uh, yeah, for Lois, for sure. So Jeremy Irons, I felt was not a good fit for Alfred. No. I am a fan of of him as an actor. For sure. But I didn't feel as though he was suited for the role of Alfred. I just felt like it was just like it was like trying to fit like a a circle peg into a square hole. It was just it was like, eh, no. Uh. I think if they took the very, very first Alfred from the Keaton Batman and put him in that place, oh my how much richer would that would have been? Yeah. You know? I think he's oh man. Yeah, that, not, yeah, he might not be still with us, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry to say. Yeah, uh, J.K. Simmons is an awesome Commissioner Gordon. I thought he, I love him, but I, I still see him as running the Daily Bugle and Spider Man. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm up, up, fired. I yeah. want to see you again. <laughs> you know, That's I, pretty I, good. You yeah. sound like him. Uh, I love. I mean, he's 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 cool. I do like him, but. When he was playing that serious role as Commissioner Gordon, I was almost as anticipating he was going to switch into the other role. But regardless, no, he did a great job. He was fine. I just couldn't get it, the other one, the other actor out of my head. Well, I thought it was sad because he was hardly in this film. Yeah, true. I mean, you saw him just a scant few scenes. I was like, oh man, I want to see more of well, this. Well, hopefully, we will when the next Batman movie comes out. I hope they they keep him. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I, I don't know what the the plan is, but yeah, I I think that that would be expected. He he just he looks and acts just like like Commissioner Gordon is just great. Mustache works. That's the one time the mustache works in these later films. <laughs> now now to go back to what you talked about with regards to uh, Joe Morton. Yeah, yeah. Once again, I thought that he was an excellent choice for Cyborg's dad. I thought that the two of them played off of each other nicely. You could see the conflict in his face because he's the one who, in uh, an act of desperation, was trying to save his son's life for and sure. therefore turned his son into what he is and now he's having to deal with the repercussions of that um i thought they did he did handle that that role very very well because oh yeah that could have been easily gone over dramatic or way out of whack and it didn't he held it all together and i hope we get a cyborg movie too because and i hope he's in it i want to see again i want to see that play out yeah absolutely as i mentioned earlier ben affleck was just Awful. Oh, it was trash. From the moment that, uh, like I said, that Zack Snyder announced he would be playing Batman. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just, in my opinion, this was a miscast. Um, I want to be clear that Ben is a good actor and I enjoy his performances in other movies, but this is just a role that needs someone else who can fulfill the dark complexities of Bruce Wayne. I just, I don't think, personally, this is just my opinion. I just don't think that Ben Affleck is the the correct person for this role. I think that Christian Bale was an excellent choice. I think that he was able to carry the mantle of Bruce Wayne um, exceptionally well. And that's not something that's easy to do if you really know just who Bruce Wayne as a character is. Right. So I don't know if we need to keep beating that dead horse over and over again. But his face, (laughs) he just looked, he looked wrong in the suit and his face looked kind of mashed in the mask in a way. It looked kind of like a pudgy, like, okay, put this on here. Uh-huh. He just didn't work. The whole, every time he was on screen, let me be clear. Every time he was on screen, I was cringing. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, he's just, it, the acting was just flat and everything else. Yeah. I, mean, I was just, yeah. I, mean, I was always thinking to myself, what would this film had been like if Christian Bale reprised his role as Batman? Yeah. Because I think as kind of a, a geek dream, it yeah. would have been really cool to see how Christian Bale played off of Henry Cavill. Oh, of course. I mean, I think that would have been epic. Yeah. All right. Well, let's segue over to plot. Uh, I thought the plot was a snore fest, uh, partly because <laughs> the trailers gave everything away, but also the villain was just cliche. I mean, how cliche can you get? You have some like, you know, strong man, strong demonic character that comes down from the, through a warping wormhole and there's no backstory or whatever. I mean, you're just like, okay, I'm here. I'm evil. I'm taking over. Rawr. Yeah. I, I was just like, what, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. No, I, it was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was. There's too many scenes of of action and not enough of uh, the development of the characters. And so whenever there was action, it was just kind of boring. Like I, I really didn't care. I wasn't like my heart wasn't racing or anything like that. Uh, Superman, of course, took him out, no problem. But honestly, I feel like any of the other characters have just got pissed off enough. They could have just easily taken him out, no problem. Yeah. You know, he was. I didn't like him as a villain, and I, of course, we've had we've had this conversation many times but i want to love the villain right and uh he's not memorable he was passable you've got to have a villain that you love to hate yeah i mean just all the best villains when you think of cinema they're a a pillar to the success of that particular right. film yeah um yeah warner brothers and dc I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna give you like my take on this so warner brothers and dc has this obsession uh, with trying to not follow what Marvel Studios has done with its MCU timeline. And my, my timeline, I'm talking about like what Marvel Studios does this thing where they, um, they have these standalone films. So you have Captain America, you have Iron Man, you have Incredible Hulk, so on and so forth. And even the smaller characters like Black Widow or um, Hawkeye, they, they um, feed them into these other films as well. So you're, you're getting to know them little by little. And... Um, like I said, like for some reason they, they just, they're, they're trying not to follow what Marvel studios has done. And this is a mistake. Um, in my mind, there's absolutely nothing wrong with mimicking at a high level, what they have created. And so if you think about like just a high level, I'm not saying like copy the story or anything, but right. just, no, I, I, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you start out, like, you know, you introduce each one of these characters, have their own standalone films first and you dole it out like that. And then you get to the team based, right epic event at that point you have fans from the masses that have just invested in themselves in these characters they know their backstory they know their exactly. exposition and so now they're ready to root for everybody right um i don't know since they had to introduce flash aquaman and cyborg in this film it ate up precious time that could have been focused on more exposition also, this film could have, um, like, you, like to your point, could have been longer. Of course. Um, apparently, they cut it down due to fears people would think it was too long because Batman versus Superman, I guess, was like three hours, and they were like, man, that movie was way too long. It was like an hour too long. What they should have done was just flip-flop that where yep. Batman versus Superman was like two yep. hours and then let this one be three hours because you had to have that much time due to the sheer number of characters in the movie. Um, well, I think... 
right, we'll finish your thought. I, I want to continue. I have, a, I have a, a point that stems off from yours. Yeah, no, I was going to say, as a result, the story just felt rushed with not enough time given to flesh out the new protagonists or the villain for that matter. I mean, it's, it's right to your point. So what they, I think maybe pride may be an issue. Like you said, it, it's, they're not copying anything that Marvel is doing by giving you all these separate movies at once that are all going to blossom into one big um, group effort movie. And so you, when, when it's Marvel and, and granted, we're going to compare Marvel to DC uh, and it, it's just going to be obvious. And we had the Batman movies in the beginning and we had, and we loved them. I mean, they're phenomenal. They're a five star and that's, Anybody's going to say that, even if you're not even a fan of DC Comics, if you were to see uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman series, mm-hmm. it, it, he brings him to real life. He he brings him out of the comic books, places him in real life, and makes him believable. Makes the entire story believable. Right. We got Wonder Woman, which is also a very very good movie, and uh, so they have wonderful elements that are all like these golden puzzle pieces. And then they just jumble them all together. And like, right. They're like just trying to pound a puzzle together mm-hmm. to make a picture, and it doesn't work. Right. And so it, it felt extremely rushed. And now I'm like, okay, if I'm not a fan of, of, of these, uh, you know, if, if I'm coming into this new, am I really going to care at this point of going into the backstory and rewatching this stuff? Like, to me, they're doing this like just complete disservice to all these wonderful pieces that they created initially to make this good. Right. Well, let's pivot to script while we're talking about uh, kind of the plot lines and stuff. The dialogue had a few moments of surprise, such as the big guns. I like that when when Batman actually said, you know, Alfred, bring out the big guns. I'm thinking, who the heck is the big guns? Yeah. And I loved how it was Lois Lane. Yeah. I mean, that that just was just perfectly executed. Um, I also thought that Wonder Woman knowing Cyborg was eavesdropping on her private conversation with, with Bruce Wayne was a nice little surprise in there. Um, and the scene where Aquaman unknowingly begins to spill the truth about their dire situation. From, oh, that was another gold nugget. Yeah, yeah, from Wonder Woman's lasso of truth secretly placed around his leg or whatever. Uh, I was or like, was oh, sitting, that was good. He was sitting on it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like at the end of the movie when uh, uh, they have those criminals that they arrested, they all lassoed with the... the, the the right, rip, right. And they all just giving away everything. Yeah, this is what we were thinking, and this is what we were doing. This is where you can find everybody else or hide out. They're just giving the cops all the details. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The rest of it was pretty standard fare. Um, I mean, it worked for what it was, but it, again, it was nothing uh, that was just really stood out to me. No. Like, I, if I were to compare this to Man of Steel, oh, you can't. I loved. The exactly. story of a Man of Steel, the script, the plot. That I mean, just, just one. yeah, you had again another phenomenal movie. Man of Steel was wonderful. Yeah, gives me goosebumps. And then, it, nah. <laughs> uh, one thing that one one sequence that was was pretty cool was uh, we already mentioned it before when the Flash is speaking to his fears and he's saying, "I, you know, I don't like bugs. I don't like guns. And I, you know, I'm, right? I'm, I'm 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 scared here. You know, all I can do is run quick." And then Bruce Wayne said, just save one person. Yeah. And I thought, that's cool. Okay. You know, we're all in this together. Don't don't fight. Go save people. We'll leave the fighting up to us. And I thought, yeah, okay. I get that. I can stand behind that. Mm-hmm. Again, there was nuggets, but uh, yeah, mostly forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cinema photography, they had uh, plenty for the eyes to drink in. Uh, the director of photography was Fabian Wagner, who works mostly on TV shows such as Game of Thrones, 
Sherlock, um, and a ton of others. I was looking at his IMDb profile. I was like, wow, this guy's done an absolute ton of stuff. I really appreciated how this film um, was not so desaturated, but still maintained a mature visual approach. If you, I, I never saw Batman versus Superman. I intentionally, you know, just boycotted because it was just not what, what I wanted to see. You don't want the memories to be tainted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Christopher Nolan did such a wonderful job with like the the, the Batman trilogy. I was like, oh, I'm going to just maintain it right there. But um, yeah, it was interesting how like even with Man of Steel, Man of Steel was very desaturated. Right. And so it was nice to see that they started bringing the colors back in for this one. Not a ton. I mean, it's not as colorful as the Marvel efforts. It's, it's not to that level. But it was nice. I, I felt like like I was happy with with kind of the the visual motif that they were going for for that. Um, there were certain sequences that were way better than others, though. I mean, that whole scene with uh, on on the island with uh, the Amazonian women. Uh huh. That was incredible. That leapt off the comic book pages, and that was magical to me. Right. Uh, I was in comic book heaven right there. Uh, but it only lasted like 10 seconds. Well, not well, more than 10 seconds, but if they made a movie of just that, it was all like, it was epic to Lord of the Rings level with that. Yeah. We had the lanterns and they had different species. I mean, I love that stuff. And then they just give me that again, that morsel. And I thought this is so well done. It reminded me of that Pegasus scene from, mm-hmm. from Thor Ragnarok, which I, I wanted to, to see there. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it didn't give it to us. And then, so there were, See, I'm flip-flopped with, with the cinematography because at some point they just, they, they doused it with over CG and I wanted something different. I wish they would, uh, wouldn't have done that, but then you had, they had the gold nuggets. So as, as the scene I just mentioned, and then the other scene where, um, uh, Steppenwolf is underwater and he's getting that box. And then you had that, that queen of Atlantis or whoever that was. Oh, I think it was a daughter. Maybe of the daughter, but she, out of nowhere, had that big swarm of bubbles to capture him. And I thought, okay, this is going to be cool. And it already started to be cool. And then it kind of, again, stuffed out. And that was that. Just Again, just nuggets here and there. But Well, when I think about it, there was a tremendous amount of outdoor scenes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it included a nighttime scene of Wonder Woman meeting up with Cyborg. I thought that was lit really well done, considering the fact it was at nighttime. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman meeting up with Bruce Wayne and ta- and taking a walk, you know, along the the lake or whatever. There was the like what you said, the Amazon Island battle with the villain. There was Bruce talking to Aquaman during their first meeting, and it's all overcast and foggy. Um, the whole fight with Superman when, when he's resurrected, um, and so on. I mean, all these locations have a distinct look about them, which I appreciate. It wasn't like here's our one color palette, and we're just gonna you know just splat it on every single scene. Like each yeah. one of those scenes I listed looked very well done in terms of the lighting and the framing. I mean, just the, the yeah, just the overall aesthetic. I, I just, I found myself thinking, man, this is, this is kind of a treat because we're getting so many different locations and you can tell they have their own unique signature look about them. Do you have anything else to say about cinematography? I was thinking of that, that scene. It was actually, many people probably would have passed on it, but the scene where, uh, Wonder Woman and, or, Gal, uh, or Gal Gadot. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Diana, I have all these like names in my mind where, where Diana and Bruce are walking through that park, that little trail near the, the lake there in Gotham. And it really felt Gotham-y with that light rain and the, kind of the murky water, but you had the green trees and the trail and, and uh, it really felt like Gotham. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people would have just passed over it. Segwaying into soundtrack. 
One of the, like I said earlier, one of the high points of the movie for me was the soundtrack. I thought it was fantastic to have Danny Elfman do the score. And furthermore, Steve, bring back his 1989 Batman theme as well as mesh. If you notice, I don't know if you picked this up or not, but he meshed John Williams' 1978 Superman score with Hans Zimmer's Man of Steel mm, efforts. Interesting. It was really, really cool. He also brought back Wonder Woman's theme in a few places, which, of course... I you heard know, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, um, he wasn't the one who originally scored that, but he put his own little kind of riff on it, which was cool. I wish he put more thought into creating memorable themes for the newcomers, though, as I didn't notice them for Flash yeah, or no, Aquaman no. or Cyborg. I thought that was a kind of a missed opportunity there just because Elfman knows how to do a comic book hero theme. I mean, he's done, obviously, Batman. He did Spider-Man. Um, and now he's working on, on Justice League 2, of course. But um, I was surprised that there wasn't enough. And I, and I just can't help but wonder if, it was, if it's just due to it being rushed. Yeah, you know? most likely. I also wanted to hear some sort of combination of these themes come together during the final battle sequence. Perhaps as like a means to segue between superheroes just as the camera did. So if you're going from one hero to the to the other, it would have been nice to have the music almost like, you know, if it's on Batman, you hear the dun 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 and then all of a sudden, uh, if the camera flies over to Wonder Woman, you have the percussion and the melodies do some sort of clever segue that, that has that, that that goes from dun 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 to all of a sudden to the more of the which I think they can totally do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, they need to bring it more to life, bring it more to the foreground. Well, and, I, and music plays such a pivotal role in films. Right. It really helps to catapult the audience into whatever kind of scene that they're, they're currently watching. And I think even if they were like, like another great creative challenge for Elfman would have been, can you take all of these themes from these different superheroes? And then during like the last fight sequence, uh, somehow mesh them together to actually form a justice league theme. True. You know, like like in Marvel Studios, uh, they have an Avengers theme. They have that, uh, I believe Alan Silvestri scored that. And they have that, that dun-dun, dun-dun, you know, it goes on and on. Um, but very recognizable. It's like, oh, wow, that's the Avengers. I would have really liked to have seen that for something like the Justice League. And I'm going to just... I'll probably skim over like on iTunes and see if there, there is something that's there. But, but when I watched the movie, I, there was nothing that really stood out to me. The only parts I did were, uh, the Batman, the 1989 Batman score and the, the Superman stuff. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts? I'm totally just monologuing on this soundtrack part. Well, you're, you are you noticed it a lot more than I did. I, yeah, I wish they would have, would have done something like that or even, uh, slightly remix the, uh, the Batman music a tad bit. Uh-huh. And what I, why I thought of that was when I was playing the master chief collection earlier and they redid all the choral music and they brought it to life and much more prevalent in the game. And I thought, Hmm, what if they did something like that? Maybe add a couple other instruments in there or more of some of uh, some of the instruments. And so it sounded more pronounced in the movie. So you, people would notice it. I love that soundtrack. That's one of the all time favorite soundtracks for a movie. And I, I completely missed it. And if you didn't say anything about it and I didn't read it, I would have, I would have been clueless. You right. know, that's how in the background it is. 
going to costumes now. Michael uh, Wilkinson was the costume designer for Justice League. And I personally have enjoyed his previous efforts on films like 300, mm-hmm. Tron Legacy, Man of Steel, and American Hustle. Did you ever see American Hustle? I saw parts of it, but that's I a didn't good see movie. Thing. I didn't care for his Batman design in Batman versus Superman. I've always been really critical of that particular wardrobe. That, that was the thing, really. I, I didn't want Ben Affleck to be the 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 choice for Batman, and also just just the 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 approach to the the wardrobe. I was like, nah, just yeah. I, I can't get behind. I know that there are other people who do like it, and that's great. But for me personally, I'm like, nah. I just, it's it just not for fit. me. His cost, that, that suit doesn't work. It looked like pajamas. Like a lot of many layered pajamas is what it looked like. I thought that the suit in this film, though, was better um, than in Batman versus Superman. There were alterations that were made that did. I was like, okay, that I can get behind. It does look better. Uh, what else, though? It's important to know that Lindy Hemming, who I'm a huge fan of, she was the one who designed Wonder Woman's outfit from the movie Wonder Woman. I mean, she's done so many outfits for sure. different films. She's just amazing. It's just, uh, she, so I think it's important to note that there, to my knowledge, just watching the film, I didn't see any changes to that particular outfit. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> Mr. Wilkinson can't get all the credit. On yeah. Um, I guess we got to talk about cyborg's outfit. Sure. I thought he looked cooler in the hoodie than he did in in, uh, his regular form. I have (laughs) a theory on that because I know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they wanted to visually convey that his body was still going through this evolution process that it, it was, it was basically at this kind of new prototype stage. Cause if you noticed even throughout the film, like he was still coming to grips with like the AI side of him and how things can transform and move. And they even talk about in the film how like each day something else gets added. So that's what my feeling is on it. I have a feeling if we get to see more of Cyborg in the future, I think that his whole like exoskeleton look will become more refined and beefed out a bit. Because I know what you mean. Like certain parts of him looked a little too... Well, that, scrawny and other parts yeah. are too bulky. He looked disproportional. Right. And I think like, like his like waist said, was only like, you know. I think they did that on purpose though. My hope is, is that they will, con- and I'm sure they will, because they do that with all the, the superhero costumes. They always do updates and that sort of thing. Right. What did you think of Aquaman's outfit? Or lack thereof. Uh, <laughs> oh, so buff. <laughs> yeah. uh, his was cool. I mean, it looked kind of like fish scales, and now it's kind of what I expected. Yeah, it uh, looked like it looked ancient and had kind of a nice aquatic textured swirl true. pattern thing yeah. going. No, the thing about Aquaman in the movie, and I guess I might be reversing back to plot, but most of the movie with him in it had nothing to do with water. And I think that's, if I'm not mistaken, Aquaman's most of his abilities have to do with something with water. Did he seem like he was a fish out of water? Yeah, he was a fish out of water. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, he was jumping around and throwing his uh, his fork. I got to say, though, that's one scene where he's falling through the sky and he's uh, just laying waist up. For me, I was digging it. I'm like, yeah. I'm glad he was. people were tossing him around. In fact, I think that's what he said when he landed on the battlefield. He's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it was whatever. You know, I, I wasn't one much much special to me. I liked when he was flying through the water, uh, and all those bubbles behind him. I mean, that's how Superman can fly in the air. He can fly in the water, and I thought that was pretty sweet. But them tossing him around in the air and throwing his fork and going through the building, I just it, it didn't do anything for me. It wasn't terrible, but I do think it's worth noting though. I too felt like I, I, I wish that there was water. There's some sort of body yeah. of water that was close by during yeah. that fight sequence. Cause I felt like, man, it, everything is so hot and dry and red yeah. and like, man, like I yeah. hope this guy is okay. But like he, he definitely I'm, having said that, yeah. that oh. I do think that, that it was fun to, to see him uh, kick some booty. I wish you know, it would have been cool to see him kind of manipulate the water in a way because, you know, when the water was coming through that, that one scene before he had joined the group and he was there to kind of stop it in a way or at least slow it down, he had control over it. I wanted to see more of that, but on a, on a grander scale. And sure. what we saw was him flying through the air, which it's not really his place. Yeah, no, it wasn't. And I was surprised by that. It would have been nice if like the, the baddies headquarters was close to a body of water just so we could have the opportunity. I mean, yeah, it would have been predictable because you're like, oh, okay, there's the water. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. going to happen? Right, right. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I think everybody was secretly hoping to see some sort of <laughs> yeah. killer orcas or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, killer whale to the face. Killer whale to the face. Yeah, take that. <laughs> How about a tentacle to the face? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> So slimy. (laughs) Picking suckers off his face. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So uh, to wrap things up, I think it is time to have other directors come in and provide their vision for the DCCU. Zack Snyder's strength, um, in my opinion, is his ability to create dazzling visual spectacles, but his weakness is in maintaining deep substance material like what we've been talking about because that gives legs for his visuals to stand on. And I just think that there's just, there's too much pizzazz and not enough substance. I mean, right. that's just, that's just what it is. In fact, it reminds me of a very famous quote that George Lucas said way back in the day when he was being interviewed, he said a special effect without a story is a very boring thing. Indeed. So, um, I think a good example of when it did work well was man of steel because Zack Snyder did direct man of steel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that film is one of my favorites from him because there was a significant amount of substance that made for great storytelling. And the only flaw was the, really the last one third of the film when the fight scene between Superman and general Zod was going on. And, um, it just dragged on because no one was really visibly accruing bodily harm. It was like, they were, t- they were just smacking each other for over and over. And like, sure. I actually started to feel bad for the buildings because the buildings yeah. were all like just crumbling around them, but they had no black eye or split lip or anything. And I was actually the same with this movie minus Bruce Wayne. Cause he got hurt a little bit, but I was thinking, man, no one can defeat Steppenwolf without Superman, but no one's actually accruing any sort of cuts or bruises or damage. I mean, Gal yeah. Gadot still had all her makeup on and like, Okay. Yeah, that, that is something that needs to be addressed. I mean, when you have, I understand if you're fighting against like normal Joe Schmoes, then yeah, you're not going to have really any kind of bodily injury that's visible. Right. However, if you're fighting someone that's your equal or perhaps even stronger, you will have some sort of visual bodily harm that, right. that you can see there. And, and not only that, but it adds, it adds gravitas to the entire situation. Don't use such big words on me, Ross. Well, for the layman, it's gravity. <laughs> I think in this day, in our age, when we're getting a plethora of all these comic book movies. If they, do you know what a plethora is? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, we were talking about this a couple episodes ago where a lot of folks are jumping on the Marvel bandwagon and we're getting superhero stuff after superhero stuff all the time now. And that's okay if you pay respects to the, the, the depths of these characters and their stories and where they came from. But when you rush a story like this and it just seems like a, a popcorn kind of whatever romp uh, and it loses a lot of that, that characterization and the depth, it, it, may, it, it lowers the value of the story for yeah. where these things, for where were these things, where these folks, <laughs> where these folks uh, came from. And to me, that cheapens uh, my memories in a way. Well, I think it's all about execution. Like Avengers is a textbook example of how you successfully execute right. a team superhero movie. I mean, just that seriously is one of my all time favorite movies. I mean, it was flawless the way they did that. Right. But it wasn't just the Avengers. It was how they built up the Avengers and then exactly. gave us this big punch to the face with it. Looking at um, IMDb, Zack Snyder is producing Gotham City Sirens, Deadshot, Aquaman. There is an Aquaman standalone right. film that's coming yeah. out. Uh, Wonder Woman 2, Suicide Squad 2, and Flashpoint. Suicide Squad. Um, he's also slated to direct <laughs> Justice League Part 2. So his influence on the DCCU will remain for the foreseeable future. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, nothing personal against the guy because the guy does good work, but I feel as though there needs to be, I think he does his best work. If there is some sort of, I don't know, like, like a, more of a, a heavy hitting tag team involved where let, let Zack Snyder take care of the, of the visual spectacle of things, but let someone else come in. Like, I think this was a very fascinating example of when Joss Whedon came in, you could tell that where the parts that had kind of more sprinkling influences of Joss Whedon versus Zack Snyder. And I think if they were to start out that way, as opposed to have him come in at the end and just, you know, take over as an emergency. Um, I'd be curious to see how that would happen because I think that there is massive potential there. Like let someone else take care more of the exposition, that sort of thing, and really put him into more of a director slash producer role when it comes to more of the visual side of things. I don't know how that would work, but I do think that that, that is the missing link. Um, but as it stands, I think that Justice League was a decent movie, in my opinion. I think the chemistry between the actors, although not as strong as the Avengers, was still the strongest attribute of the film. This film proves how vital it is, uh, once again, as I've stated earlier, to you know, it's, it's so vital to dole out your characters in standalone films in order for the audience to forge like an emotional attachment to each character. Don't shoehorn a bunch of them into one film and try and fit you know, a, a little, you know, teeny tiny part of their exposition of backstory in order to, you know, validate their existence in the film, dole it out, ha you know, make the time to have those standalone films because then you'll have a bigger return on your investment later on. Well, we want to, we want to see more of the characters, but we do, if you make it so that we don't care in the beginning, we're not going to go see the, the next film. Right. Yeah. And this film, um, just also proves how 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 important it is to have a high level connected overarching storyline that ties all of the standalone films together and sets up team based films like Justice League or the Avengers for success as well as sequels to the standalone films in the future. I mean that's I I keep saying this I keep beating this drum over and over again like like listen Marvel Studios and Disney have perfected. The, the, the high level journey, if you will, like, like if you were to have a whiteboard session and you were to just, 
do like this, this, this kind of flow, this workflow of like which movies come out at what year and when the team based movies come out in certain years. I mean, they've already perfected it. They, it works. Have that be your overarching ecosystem, if you will. And then you can focus on the unique exclusive stories of each one of these characters that are completely different than the, the characters from the Marvel universe. I, I think do that. Don't, don't do this weird ADD thing where like you have Batman versus Superman, where it's kind of a Batman and Superman movie. And then you do suicide squad, which is this <laughs> weird thing. And then you're yeah. trying to bring in those characters over here and just, yeah, it's, it's way too rushed. The whole thing. They're trying to like catch up in a way. Yeah. They're, they're trying to play catch up. But my, I, I'm glad you said that because that is my, my point really is yeah. don't feel like you have to catch up. There is no catching up involved <laughs> exactly. here. You have beloved characters that people across the globe absolutely are obsessed with have like literally literally have fun taking your time with each and every character we will give you money if you do it this way yeah yeah um the film apparently cost around 300 million dollars to make and i don't know if they'll recoup their investment which will put doubt into future sequels but hopefully it will cause a bit of a shakeup within the studio and reorganize themselves more into that well-oiled machine like we're describing of course, once again, going back to the dead horse, Ben Affleck is the fly in the ointment for this team. Uh, he simply does not fit the role of Bruce Wayne or Batman in a way that Christian Bale or Michael Keaton did. There are moments when the camera is far enough away during a fight scene and you can't tell it's been, but those are very few and far between. And I honestly, I, I shouldn't have to try to look for tiny moments like that. I should be able to enjoy the actor up close in every scene. Um, to be fair, Ben Affleck did fit Batman much better than George Clooney did. So there is a silver lining there when you compare him to like, you know, Batman and Robin, that, that movie was just, uh, took years off my life. <laughs> Aside from Affleck though, I think everyone else was perfectly cast and I hope to see more from them in the future movies. Do you agree? I do. Um, are we getting into the last level thoughts here, Rush? Because uh, we are indeed. This is the wrap up, Steve. What I would like to see them do moving forward is um, not so oversaturate all the CG. And it would have been rewarding for me if they used some practical effects more in this film than they did, than the Marvel did, because that could be a way that they could uh, differentiate themselves from Marvel. Because, Mar I mean, you have CGI in almost everything nowadays, so, but practical effects is. Um, a nice surprise. And in that first scene when, when uh, Batman nets that little demon looking firefly, mm -hmm. that would have been cool if there was all practical effects and they had some conversation of what was to come instead of Bruce Wayne going, Alfred, you see this? Hey, Alfred, Alfred, are you there? <laughs> you know? Uh, and Hey, Al. Yeah. So I would love, I would love to see. Can I call you Al? Or yeah. I'm not Fred. <laughs> uh, or so Alf. Oh. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> No, it's Marvel Universe, isn't it? Alfred? Uh, Alf? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't so. know, whatever. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, that was a TV show. Yeah. So, yeah, no. I, it, I, I was pretty disappointed in this. I really wanted to love a lot of the characters, and I felt like watching you play Injustice 2 gave me more of the background in a fighting game, nonetheless, than, than watching this movie. I felt that... It was extremely rushed from the get-go, and if I'm looking for reasons to 
um, to enjoy the film. Uh, I'm totally not enjoying it. Um, There were gold nuggets to be had, and it seems as if um, there were, you you could definitely tell there was two separate visions for this, this film. And I wanted to, again, with that, that whole scene with the Amazon women and the lanterns. And I mean, that was heaven for me. I wanted to see seriously. Oh my, just make a movie about that. You'll have my money. Imagine if they had allocated an additional 30 minutes to just that battle setup. Of course. It would have been incredible. And you know what else I wanted to see that they, they didn't do or they didn't script is I wanted to see more of, of a hashing out and a forgiveness between Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent. And throughout all the Batman movies we've seen, he does not kill. I mean, he even saved the Joker and that's his nemesis. He does not kill. And then he ended up ending Superman's life. Or, co- well, or, or contributing to it. That, to yeah, he didn't life. actually do it. Right. If you, um, it, yeah, I, I don't want to. Right. Exactly. But so, but in in this movie, uh, Diana is talking to Bruce, saying, "You can't be there when we revive him because he's going to want to kill you. You know, he, you're you're pretty much the reason why he's in the grave." And it would have been nice to have this scene of forgiveness and not just move on past it, or even Bruce Wayne trying to deal with that because Superman is obviously. A, a big part of, of the metropolis and to the people there, everyone loves Superman and I got to cut you off real quick. It, one of the big satisfying moments in the movie for me was when Superman came and just kicked the crap out of that villain. I mean, you saw him as Superman right. in whoop ass mode for sure. I mean, I was just like, wow. Okay. I'm digging that. That was cool. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. You know, I, I wouldn't even mind it if he even had a beard be honest. I mean, if he's, you're in a coffin and studies have shown your hair still kind of grows if you're dead. Well, you know, he is Kryptonian, Steve. True, he is. He may not have the uh, what is it, posthumous uh, side effects that humans do. Well, this is true, but in Man of Steel, he did have a beard in the beginning. Oh, he could grow a beard. Yeah, that's true. But he was very much alive. Well, I know that. He wasn't dead. Right. He wasn't in a coffin. But they didn't have to make it like a $14 million deal to give him a fake upper lip. Oh man, that was bad. But um, yeah. so just I, many, many, many choices in the film were wrong and it felt incredibly rushed. And I don't, I don't, I want to enjoy it for what it is. I want to sit there and I want to smile. I want to have a good time. And I, I there was so much just, I, I felt that was disrespecting the, the, the comic book uh, generation from whence these characters came and, I, I feel wrong about it. I really do. Yeah. I feel like the whole, the whole thing needs to be rewritten. You go back to formula, rewrite it, make it good. We'll pay for it. And we will go out and buy the DVD. I mean, even with like the, the Nightcrawler for crying out loud. Now it looked like a, why did they even put that in there? They didn't even need it. Well, I, actually, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Just because, you know, Wayne Tech is something that we don't really see enough of, in my opinion, when it comes yeah. to films. Like, com- if you read the comic book, like, Bruce Wayne has a ton of True. gadgets and stuff. In the movies, it's always the Batmobile and the Batwing. The Batmobile and the Batwing. It's Bat like, wait. Rose. Oh, yeah, the Batpod. <laughs> um, I mean, he has a ton of stuff. Like, like I, for one, really like that just because... If you notice in the fight scenes, and this actually is something I did appreciate about the film, is the fact that Batman is human. He He's not superhuman right. like these other people. Right. So there is a vulnerability there. And he has to rely on um, some, of, some of his Wayne tech in order to try and at least survive. Like if you notice, he really was not, he never went toe to toe with um, Steppenwolf. Right. 
and he was taking care of his little minions, little insect minions, but even that was struggling. But I, I like that because of the fact that he is, in fact, human. You have no idea, like, how strong these, these extraterrestrial True. You know, characters are, you know, what it is. You know, if, if you have people like Wonder Woman and Aquaman who are struggling against them, I mean, the guy would just kill Batman in one swoop. I mean, there's nothing he can do about that. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I've seen almost in every single Batman movie, even the, the George Clooney Batman, he still does some fighting that's not embarrassing. And this, I was looking for something cool and he really didn't do anything cool. No, he really all. didn't. I mean, I'm thinking, where is the, where is Batman? You know what they need? To, and I want to see going forward. I want to see something different. I want to see Batman being more of like the detective. As Which you been. will see when Matt Reeves, who's directing the next Batman movie, mm-hmm. he's um, he has said he's placing more of an emphasis on kind of the film noir, the detective side of things. So I, for one, yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what, what they come up with. And I'm kind of getting tired of them showing Bruce Wayne as being aging. Like, oh, yeah, he's just this old man, Bruce yeah. Wayne, old man, Batman. Come on. The comic book lasted a long time. No one cares. I mean, if if James Bond isn't, like, fighting <laughs> he's crime. He's 65 his, years yeah, old. James or Bond. even in his 80s. You know what I'm saying? They, they could keep this memory alive and going for a long, long time. So the reason why they did that for this particular iteration of Batman was just that Frank Miller's Batman is more of that grisly, older Batman who's more jaded, that sort of thing. So, I, I mean, I can I understand where they're coming from with that. But to your point too, I totally agree. I do not want to keep going down this path. I want to get back to kind of, you know, mid thirties Batman, right? Something to that effect. Well, how many stars would you give this oh, film? Man. No more than a two. I'm, I'm almost at one and three quarters because I was searching for stuff to like about it. And then that, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, with everything we've talked about, we've we've given so many good suggestions for the film that would have been better and would have been more deserving of time and money. That um, I, it's I I don't plan on watching it ever again. I don't really care to watch it. There's nothing for me to come back to. I still want to see more of these films because, like I said <clears> in the <throat> beginning, the Batman movies, standalone ones, were fantastic. The Man of Steel was fantastic. Wonder Woman was fantastic. So they they have shown and proven that the DC world is a place that I want to be in. Right. But when they're all together collectively, the formula doesn't work. They need to redo a lot of that stuff and 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 tread carefully from here on out. We've had Batman versus Superman, which is which was passable completely. I mean, we 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 just completely passed on it. We didn't even want to see it. Right. I put it on my Netflix list just because I figured I, I should. And I was even like, you know, ugh, I really don't want to see this. And I shouldn't have to feel that way from memories I've had as a kid, buying the comic books, uh, using my imagination back in the day, you know, with all these superheroes. And to me, it just feels wrong to give them money and time for something that they really rushed and stamped out. I do have a curiosity to see it just because Henry Cavill's in it. True. And the only other movie I've seen him in as Superman is Man of Steel. And I just really loved him in Man of Steel. Yeah. I am close to you. I think that um, uh, in terms of, of my review, I, I I would give it two and a half stars. I'm close to where you are with, with the two star mark. I think that in terms of the casting, with the exception of Ben Affleck, I think that everybody else just fit their, their roles really well. I liked also how they were able to, to individualize or, or make each character completely unique. 
you know, it's like what we discussed earlier with the flash and just not being a fighter, someone who who's very new to the scene, but you know, obviously his skills are very important to the success of the overall team or Aquaman, the way that, that Jason Momoa was able to just really make Aquaman just genuinely a cool character. You're like, yeah, this is like how he would say it. Uh, even, even cyborg, you know, I thought he, he had a lot of mystique about him, that sort of thing. And really, you know, it, it, it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword in that sense because due to the fact that they were all interesting and they all were cast so well, I wanted more exposition. And because this film was only two hours long, we didn't get enough of that. And so uh, th- that was a big miss right there. So that combined with the fact that, the, that, that there was not enough plot, the villain was forgettable, that sort of thing. Um, it basically uh, comes down to if you enjoyed, if you just want to see a romp of your favorite comic book characters, then you might have some gratification out of it. But other than that, almost every single aspect needed work or needed to be changed. Exactly. So uh, I'm hopeful to see what they have, what they do in the future. But as for now, I think it's just uh, two and a half stars for me. So, <laughs> well, that about wraps it up. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash joyingasm and subscribe to get the most out of the show. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on soundcloud.com slash joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our adventure of gaming live until next time folks keep that league of justice going (laughs) happy gaming later